Welcome to another Solid Rock Church podcast by Bishop Larry Ragland, Senior Pastor of Solid Rock Church. For more information and content, please visit solidrockchurch.com. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and you have a blessed day. I tell you what, I'm excited about my church. I'm excited about Solid Rock Church. I'm ex- I tell you what else I'm excited about. I'm excited about the church. I'm excited about the body of Christ. I believe the devil don't even know what he's done. I believe he's woke up a sleeping giant. I believe a remnant is rising up. I believe there is a people of God that's there standing up and saying, you know what? I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm thankful for the body of Christ. We're in part two of a series called Social Disconnect. And the reason I call it Social Disconnect is because I'm tired of saying social distance. I'm not tired of social distancing. Well, actually I am, but I'm just saying I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not going to social distance. For those that want to know about how I roll, let me tell you how I roll. When I walk in Walmart, I wear my mask. Hmm? Yeah, I'm Bishop Clinton is watching. I'm representing. I've been judified. Now, I could preach like this, but this is where I'd sound the rest of the service. When I go in Walmart, I wear my mask. I didn't say I like it, but I do. Because I want people to see that I'm trying to be a good boy. When I go in a place that has a mask requirement, I wear it. I'm, I'm just talking about me. I ain't talking about you. You do whatever you want to do, but I'm telling you, I do it. I wear my mask when I go in a restaurant. As soon as I sit down, I take that thing off. Can I get an amen? When I, when I see somebody standing in line, I don't get right up on, on their back, start breathing on them. I never did that to begin with. Come on. But I'll, I'll, I'll stand back, give them their room. Now, I have been known to accidentally walk the wrong direction in the aisle at Walmart. I have been known to walk all the way down the aisle with my wife. You know, she's pointing out, get me those beans and all this kind of stuff. And, and I'm picking them out. And I look down and I think, oh, my Lord, we are going the wrong direction. Then I look up and 50 other people are going the wrong direction with me. So I don't feel as bad. But what I'm trying to say is, I'm conscious of it. I'm not saying that we shouldn't do it. I'm not saying that, listen to me, those people that are trying to tell you that COVID-19 and coronavirus is a hoax, they don't know what they're talking about. It's not a hoax. It's a very real sickness, a very real virus, a very real disease that is making many people very sick and has killed many people. You need to hear me. It is real. If you are if you are posting it is a hoax, do not tag me. I don't want nothing to do with that because here's the truth. That is not the truth. It is not a hoax. So, many of the suggestions that have been given to us to help with this situation, this pandemic or whatever you want to call it that we're in, I don't have I don't, I'm not saying that I'm not doing them. But I'm going to tell you what's happening. 
It is a physical virus that is real. It is a physical uh, uh, solution that they've come up with that according to science is the best way to not be able to receive this virus. And I don't doubt that. But let me tell you something. The Bible tells us that many times, most of the time, spiritual principles that we must learn are taught to us by physical principles first. In fact, the Bible says first the natural and then the spiritual. In other words, he, he, he shows us how a baby is born and we understand the whole premise about how a baby is born, how a baby grows, how a baby learns how to walk, how a baby learns how to talk, how a baby grows up, moves on from milk to solid foods. Are y'all hearing me? And we watch that in the natural, and then he tells, he says to Nicodemus, when Nicodemus says, what do I have to do to be a part of your kingdom? He said, Nicodemus, you must be what? born again and Nicodemus immediately goes to the physical because all he knows about born is in the physical he says wait a minute are you telling me this is what he says to Jesus that I'm going to have to enter into my mother's womb a second time and be born because all Nicodemus knew in that situation was the natural oh my God I feel the Holy Ghost but then Jesus made it clear Nicodemus listen to me that which is born of the natural of the flesh is flesh but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Nicodemus you don't get it now but you're going to understand well, not long from now they're going to nail me to a tree and I'm going to say three words that's going to change everything. It is finished and because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ when you ask him to forgive you of your sins and come into your heart then your spirit man is born again. You come out of the womb of the spirit. You're drinking the milk of the word. You're learning how to crawl. You're learning how to walk. You're being discipled. You're studying to show yourself approved unto God. A workman needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. And one day you move on from Similac, praise God, to some baby food. And one day you move from baby food to a hot dog. Oh, one day you move on from a hot dog to a cheeseburger. One day you move on. Then the next thing you do, you move on to a pizza and the next thing you move on is to Weight Watchers. I was just seeing if y'all were listening to me. So the virus is real. But if you will listen with your spiritual ears and see with your spiritual eyes, you'll see that long before COVID-19 there was already a highly contagious virus in the spirit realm that has infected not just the world, but the church. Can I say to you that the church is supposed to be the shield but the, when we begin to see the decay of society around us and shake our heads going, my God, what happened to this world? How did we get here? You need to get up, you need to go to the bathroom, and you need to stand in front of the sink, and you need to look in the mirror. Because the reality is this, what is happening out in the world is only there because we have allowed it to get through us. 
You want to social distance from somebody? How about social distance from the devil? You want to stay six feet away from me, but you want to sleep with the devil tonight. What? I told you it's going to be one of them days. I told you last week, they're trying to get this new hashtag to trend. Hashtag alone together. The first time I saw it, I was like, wait a minute, what? Is that a typo? Hashtag. Have you noticed? Listen, I'm not being critical again. Where's my armor bearer at? Get that. reason I got frustrated through my jacket is because I'm sick of having to make disclaimers before I say something in this church. I'm not really making it for y'all. I'm making it for all those that are online that's going to share this, whatever. But have you noticed almost every commercial now is a commercial, and I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to stay in business. But they're promoting everything in your life happening inside your house. They're promoting everything inside your house. They're promoting kids learning in school, in their house. They're promoting, uh, you know, staycations where people pretend like they're climbing mountains and, and uh, rock climbing in the backyard. And I understand that's being creative and all this kind of stuff. But what's happening right before our eyes is quickly we're being taught to isolate ourselves Y'all ain't hearing me. And that everything we will ever need in our life can be achieved through an online experience now. And at the very end of all those commercials, hashtag alone together. In other words, let's be together while we're alone. Did y'all hear what I just said? Now, that would be like me looking at my wife and saying, you know what, I love you, babe, but I got to really distance myself from you. I want to stay married to you. I don't, want, I don't want you leaving me. I ain't leaving you. But for the next five months, we're going to stay together, but on FaceTime. I might could handle FaceTime if I'm on a trip somewhere in a hotel for a couple of nights. But I can't handle FaceTime for that long with my wife. Now, I know that's it, but that's your family. Listen, this is also your family. Now, I know what they're saying, and I understand where they're, where they're going with that. You know, make sure you, you ain't got to do all that with, with your family. But what they're forgetting is there's a reason why we call ourselves brothers and sisters. Because we are children of God. We are family, and we need to be together. And I don't know about you, but I can't survive just seeing you on a screen. So I'm changing. I got a new hashtag. Now I've been using it. Some of y'all have been picking up and using it. And it's, I think it's probably making some people mad. But I got, I'm hashtag together together. Somebody say together, together. How about let's make it easy. Together. Let's be together while we're together. Okay. 
Some of y'all visiting our church, watching online, what kind of preacher is this? He ain't even read a scripture yet. He ain't no preacher. He's just up there telling stories. He's one of them talking preachers. Hang on. I'm about to hit you with some word, and you, then you're going to wish I didn't even read it. Now, Matthew 18, 20 says this. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Let me tell you something. You got to understand something. I know God is omnipresent. I know God is everywhere all the time. That's not what he's talking about. He's not saying we're two or three gathered. I show up, but I'm not there if they're not two or three gathered. Listen, you hide under a rock. Jesus is there. Praise God. Holy Ghost is there. What he was saying is my anointing, my favor, and my power reside in a place of gathering. Now, I know that can be in your house. There's no doubt about that, that God can meet you and fall in your house. He's fell in my house, and I'm sure he has fell in your house. But it don't just mean in your house. This was his idea. Are y'all hearing me? 1110, if you're taking medicine. Some of y'all wish I'd have waited one more minute so I could say, well, there it is. I looked at my watch, 1111. Some of y'all think there's some kind of freaky thing about 1111. Oh, 1111, y'all. See, one of the main things that all medical experts say to you during this virus, here is their cure for the virus. Isolate. Somebody say isolate. Now, part two of this series is called isolation. The thought that comes from the medical field is this, that it is the best way to make sure you are not infected. Also, it makes sure that you do not infect others in your family, your life, quarantine, all of the kinds of words they use for it. There are many medical uh, experts and even common sense thoughts that speak to believing that this works against infection. Can I tell you something in the natural realm? Can I just tell you my response to that? Well, duh. If you stay in your house, you don't get around anybody. You're not going to make anybody sick and they're not going to make you sick. We're not stupid. We know that, right? But I want you to know something that they're not talking about in the natural. And then I'm going, to, I'm going to preach right here just a minute. All this is just my introduction. I'm about to preach. Watch this. What they're not talking about in the real medical, physical world, not speaking spiritually, still speaking physically, that the best way to fight this virus is isolation, without a doubt. That's true. But what they're not talking about is the many adverse health and mental effects that come with isolation that are not being discussed. I saw on secular news, which I was shocked that they would even admit this, that there is a huge, they admit, they wouldn't give the percentage, but they said these words, a huge spike in calls to the suicide hotline. People are battling clinical depression that never has battled it. Things from people's past are coming back. More people are trying to get appointments to see psychiatrists and counselors 
because the isolation is bringing things back that they had already got the victory over. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. And they're sitting in the idle mind is the devil's play field. Come on. And isolation is creating something in our world that is going to be generational lasting. Remember, it was God that said, not Adam, in the garden in Genesis 2.18, it was God that said these words, it is not good for man to be alone. I didn't say it. Some preacher didn't say it. Adam, who he's talking about, didn't even say it. Because how many knows, sometimes we don't even know what we need. We don't even sometimes know what our true heart even wants. We, we think we want something or need something because somebody in the world told us that we should want it and need it. But he, Adam never said, man, I'm lonely. And he probably wasn't lonely because he had a very intimate relationship with his creator. But God is a big picture God. God knew his big plan for humanity. God knew what this world was going to look like. And he said, I cannot have this man, my prized creation that was created in my image and my likeness, that I fashioned with my own hands, that I put my nostrils against his nostrils and breathed life into him. And he became a living soul. I cannot allow him him to live in the midst of all of this in isolation. It is not good for him to be alone. Now let me say something. I got to do a little teaching today. Can I do a little teaching before I start preaching? I'm not talking about alone time. Did you hear me? I, when I say alone and isolated, I'm not talking about alone time. Some of y'all just need alone time. I'm sure my wife needs alone time from me sometimes. I don't understand that. But sometimes people just need alone time. Alone time is not isolation. Alone time is totally different than being lonely. That, listen. You can't lump everything in to one big pile. You can't say, well, you, you, you can't talk about alone. You're either going to talk about the dangers of being alone or you're not. What's, being alone time is done. No, watch this. Even prison systems give some people who are really bad some quality alone time. No, I'm not, I'm, I'm not belittling. I'm trying to be a little funny here. But it's called solitary confinement, and it's not quality alone time. It's isolation. People who are put into solitary confinement in prison, especially for long periods of time, because they're in a room the size of some of your closets with no outside light, no communication from anyone, 23 out of 24 hours. They're only brought out for one hour 
to splash some water on their face, maybe go outside in the open field, but they're only allowed to go out there in the open field when all the other prisoners are in their, in their cells. They can't see anybody even during that one hour, and they're put right back in solitary confinement. People who have studied those, that prisoners who have been put in solitary confinement, have lasting lifetime effects. Many of them go insane in those rooms. Many of them are, they don't, there's nothing in those rooms because the reason there's nothing in those rooms, no beds, no anything, is because if they had anything in those rooms, those people would find a way to kill themselves. Because you start talking to yourself, you start hearing voices, are you hearing me? Now I know staying at home to protect your family in a pandemic, it's not the same thing as solitary confinement. I'm not trying in any way to equate that. But there are some people who have literally not left their home in months. In months. The reason they're eating is because people are bringing food to their house, sitting on their front door, ringing the doorbell and leaving. I'm not judging but I'm telling you, I'm asking you, if you're alone and you don't feel comfortable seeing anybody, I'm encouraging you, will you at least open the back door and walk outside and breathe some fresh air? Get yourself out of a situation because the enemy is setting you up. And when, they, when you finally hear the words, the pandemic is over, which by the way, I don't think you'll ever hear those words. But if you ever do hear those words, the pandemic is over, you're still not going to want to go outside. Because now isolation is not something that you've done. Isolation has become who you are. I'm preaching a lot better than y'all shouting up in this church. Now I talked a while ago about the dog that's in the cage. Sometimes a dog is in the cage so long that you accidentally leave the gate open. Hours later you remember what you've done. You're scared to death because your dog has never known anything outside of that pen. You run out there, and the dog is still laying there right at the edge of the gate. I've seen it happen. Giant elephants in the circus, they are whipped and all this kind of stuff to put them in submission. Big enough to kill everybody there and destroy every tent, everything that's there. But they're held by a simple little rope tied to a stake driven in the ground. Because in their mind, even though they're the most powerful force anywhere around any of them, human or not, in their mind, they are isolated to that stake. In fact, I've read and I've heard many occasions where people in the circus will many times forget to tie the rope, go about setting up the tent, freak out when they see the rope hanging from the, from the neck or the wherever of the, of the elephant because he could just take off running and they're dead. Hours earlier they forgot to do the rope and they walk over there and the elephant is still standing there. Because the rope is no longer the barrier for the elephant. The rope has now become mental for the elephant. And the elephant is now tied to a stake, even when he's not tied to a stake. 
I, I said this earlier last night. I'm going to say it again. I hope I don't get kicked off Facebook because I'm going to say some stuff. Be honest with you, I know I'm not the only one that's saying it, but very few pastors are saying what I'm saying right now. Very few pastors. And I know it's going to be misconstrued because people are going to take a three-minute segment and they're going to pull it out and they're, going to have, they're not going to give the context of what I'm saying, but I'm so over-worrying about it. There is a difference between isolation and isolation of prison. In prison, you have no other people speaking to you in your life. This isolation is different. This isolation, you're not isolated from voices. In fact, you are isolated and you are overwhelmed in your isolation with voices. The only difference is these voices that are speaking to you in your isolation are not actually in your house sitting in front of you and you have no relationship with them and they don't know anything about you. They've not been with you in the, in the fire. They've not had bullets flying over your head in the spear round. They've not been in the, in the uh, uh, what can I even say? Well, foxhole. I, I, say, I always tell you I'm not being the fox. They've not been in the foxhole with you. They've not jumped on the hand grenades for you. They've not stood in the gap for you, but they think they have the right to speak into your life. Huh? In fact, you are further being tied to the stake and ropes and chains and put in bondage the more you let TV, radio, social media. Social media has become the means of social disconnect because it has tricked us into thinking as long as I can instantly communicate with someone, I'm still connected with them. Have you ever got a text back from somebody and when you read it, you were immediately offended. And you were like, how dare them say that? What in the world? And you're mad. You're huffing and puffing. You're ready to unfriend them. And you, you don't talk to them. You avoid them. You finally see them. And it comes up. Well, I'll tell you the reason I didn't talk to you. Because, my God, this is what you said. I'll read it to you. And they look at you and go, oh, 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 please, please forgive me. That is not what I meant to say. Or that is not the way I was trying to say it. How many of those, you cannot get this, what you're getting with my expressions, through a text. But we've convinced ourselves that we can. Oh, and by the way, even if you're looking at somebody, a newscaster or whatever, and you can see their face, and you can see the tear running down their face, and you can hear that compassion that they're speaking to your situation, what you don't know is when they go to commercial, they're making fun of you, they're dogging you out, and they could care less about you. They've learned how to make you think that they loved you through a camera. Say this with me, isolation breeds social disconnect. 
See, when you finally come out of your isolation, and I'm not talking about your quarantine, it's your home. I'm talking mental isolation. Please understand, I'm talking mental isolation. Not protection, not protecting your family, not making good choices for your family. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you allow it to become mental. Soulish. When, you, when it gets in your spirit, man. And it changes who you are. Are y'all hearing me? When you finally decide to come out, things will never feel the same to you. People will not mean the same to you. Relationships will not seem as necessary to you. You will no longer be in isolation in a place, but you will now be walking in a spirit of isolation wherever you go. I want to make something very, very clear. Sometimes you have to make a stand and take a stand alone. I'm not saying that there won't be times that you have to stand alone. Others at times will not stand with you in those moments. That is not isolation. That is a proclamation. You know, there's a man named Shama in the Bible who was one of David's great mighty men. And all that Shama is known for in his old age is that Shama grew a lentil patch or a pea patch. He was proud of it. He had fought for David. He had done all kinds of great exploits. It was time for him to retire, and he was living by himself. He went out by himself, and he tilled the ground, and, and he planted some uh, lentil beans, and he had a lentil patch is what it was called. And while he's out there one day harvest time, he looks up and here comes an entire army of the enemy against Israel coming to invade and to take the spoils of his land. And this man named Shama stands up. An old man walks right out by himself alone at the edge of his pea patch. This is in your Bible. And these soldiers are sitting up on these horses looking down at him, clothed in armor, swords, hands in their swords, could take his head off just like that. Get out of the way, old man. We have the right to take any that we see. This We, we take possession over this land. Our soldiers are hungry. The Bible says, Shama says, you better back up. I done worked too hard for this pea patch. You need to go find you another pea patch. You ain't eating none of my peas. It's in your Bible. And one of the things that we don't even understand the power of it, standing by himself alone with, a, with just a, a wooden staff in his hand, the leader of the battalion looks down at this frail man and says, who are you? Who do you think you are standing in against a legion of soldiers? His only response in the Bible was he takes that staff, shoves it down into the dirt of his pea patch, and he says, I am Shama. That's all he said. The soldiers turned around and left. What you may not realize is that Shama is one of the compound names of Jehovah God. Jehovah Shama means the Lord God is present. I may be alone, but when he said I am Shama, he declared the Lord is with me. I might look alone, but I am not alone. I am not in isolation. And angels appeared all around behind this man alone. And the 
You may look like you are alone, but as long as you have not isolated yourself from God, some of y'all need to stand at the threshold of your house and say, you ain't coming in my house. My name is Shama. Alone does not mean isolated. See, God can call you to be alone with him. But God does not call you to isolate yourself from him or anyone else. When God calls you to be alone, that aloneness breeds intimacy with him. When you choose to isolate yourself, that will always breed division from him and from his people. Aloneness in God brings intimacy and relationship. Isolation breeds division. There's a difference between standing by yourself and choosing to isolate yourself from everyone else. I want to show you the difference. I'm through with my introduction. Part one of my sermon. One of the most famous, if not the most famous, prophet in the history of Israel is a man named Elijah. You ever heard of Elijah? Say amen. He was known for many amazing facts and power. He's still known and, 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 and uh, looked at as the greatest prophet in Israel. They still make a place for him at the cedar mill at Passover every year. They still believe that he's still coming and he's going to precede the Messiah. But what they forgot is that he's already come in the anointing of the spirit of John the Baptist. And he was the preparer and the, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. The Messiah has already come. But watch this. He was known for many amazing acts of faith and power. He, he was a man who just walked out one day and the Lord told him, speak to the clouds. He had so much power, he spoke to the clouds. And this is what the Bible said. The Bible said in 1 Kings 17, you ain't got to go there because I'm going to hit a few stories and I'm going to read a scripture to you. It says he spoke to the clouds and he said these words. One man had an upper anointing on his life. He said, it will not rain again until I tell it to. It will not rain again until you hear my voice say it's going to rain again. And the whole nation of Israel and that whole entire region went into a drought and it did not rain. He was told immediately when the drought began, watch what happens. The difference between aloneness and isolation. He was alone, but he was not isolated from God. He said, listen, the whole world's going to be in a drought, but not you, Elijah. Because as long as you stay alone with me, I got you. So he said, while everybody else is hunting and, and digging for water, I, I've, got a, I've got a brook, I've got a creek already prepared for you. He said, there's a place called the brook by a place called Cherith. I want you to go. First Kings 17, he told him to go and sit down and camp and lay beside this brook with fresh water. He said, while the rest of the world is looking for water, while the rest of the world is in isolation, while the rest of the world is trying to fix it on their own, you see that in the midst of even a drought, in the midst of a famine, if I could say in the midst of a pandemic, I got you. Somebody needs to look at somebody, point your finger at him, tell them, God has got you. You may not feel like it, but God has got you. Not only did he provide water for him in the midst of a drought, but he brought ravens to fly down. How, 
think of the craziness of this. Ravens taking meat that they thought they was going to eat, holding in their in their beaks, not eating it, bringing it, sitting down right next to, to Elijah, opening up their beak and dropping meat at the feet of Elijah. And the Bible said while he camped out there alone, he had all the fresh water and all the meat and all the nourishment that he needed. Can I tell you something? Even when you feel alone, if you are alone with God, God will provide you fresh water. God will provide you sustenance. God will take care of you in your quarantine. If you are in your house by yourself because you're protecting your family, all I'm saying is whatever you do, don't quarantine God out. Don't quarantine the word out. If you've isolated yourself from a virus, don't isolate yourself from the Holy Ghost. Can I get an amen? Some of y'all need to dance in your kitchen right now. Some of y'all need to get up out of that recliner that you've been laying in for 12 hours a day. Some of y'all need to take a shower. Some of y'all need to comb your hair. Some of y'all need to shave your beard. Some of y'all need to get up and some of y'all need to go cook something instead of feed your face. Cool Ranch Doritos 24-7. Shake those Doritos off. My God, clean yourself up and say, I'm coming out. It's probably too late now, but how about this? If you ain't back with us next Sunday, quit watching church in your pajamas. Get up on Sunday morning. If you can't be with us, get up early, take a shower, fix your hair, put you some church clothes on, and go sit in your living room and watch us, but do something different. You need to start feeling like something. You coming out of something. Oh, I like watching church in my pajamas. I like I like not having not having to get the kids ready. Yep, you know what's gonna happen when you finally realize the quarantine is over. You're gonna love that so much. You're not gonna want to get out of that. Listen, you can bring the children of Israel out of Egypt, but you can't take Egypt out of the children of Israel. Some some of y'all need to do something different. I'm preaching good whether you like it or not. The brook dried up. And guess what happened? In his aloneness, one day he's getting him a drink, and the brook had fell to the drought. What little bit was feeding that brook was no longer there because there was no rain. So he goes, what's this? He's like most people, people are like, I knew it. I should have known it. Like every other time I believe in God for something, going to do something great in my life, right before my miracle, there it goes. The Bible said as soon as the, the brook dried up, here's the difference between isolation and being alone with God. When you're alone with God, as soon as the brook dried up and he didn't even have a chance to get a plan, God spoke to him in an audible voice and said, get up. I got the next place for you to go. Are y'all hearing me? So he gets up from a from a creek that's been giving him water and giving him food. He's just walking along. He says, where am I supposed to go? He said, you just keep walking while I tell you to go. Turn left here. Go, go straight there. Turn right there. Take a little veer around that tree up there. Oh, you see that little tiny house over there? Go up and knock on that woman's door. There's a woman in there. Knock on her door. He comes straight from the brook called Cherith, having all the water and the food that he needs. He don't have any water now. He don't have any food. He's walking in the desert alone. Alone. Everybody say alone. 
How many knows? But you ain't alone if you got God. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. They're not just ordered of the Lord in green pastures. They're ordered of the Lord in a desert. They're ordered of the Lord in a pandemic. They're ordered of the Lord in the midst of chaos. Not just when things are going good. Some of y'all, in fact, the time you need him to order your steps are now more than ever in your life. But if you've isolated yourself, you can't hear him. Some of of y'all can't hear him because all you hear is CNN and Fox News. MSNBC. Their voices are louder than his. Oh my God, I tell you what, I I hope y'all come back next Sunday. You remember when I told you a few weeks ago, a few months ago, you better decide? Because I said, I'm telling you, there's going to be layers of this onion about to be peeled. He said, I want you to go. Stop, 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 turn, 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 knock on that door. <laughs> I'm not making fun of her, but when you know her situation, you'll know she probably looked like this. She probably didn't talk like this, but this is what Can I help you? See, everybody knew who Elijah was, but when you're down to nothing, When you've been isolated, when you've been alone, come on, somebody. And you ain't had no help from nobody. What what he didn't realize is God had just sent him to the house of a woman and her only son who had already had a discussion this morning that this was the last day that they would ever live. They had been alone and isolated for so long in the midst of this drought. They had run out of water. They had run out of food. They had run out of everything. And they had one little tiny morsel of flour left that they were going to mix in some little muddy consistency. They were going to dab it on their tongue so they'd have one last taste of something before they died of hunger. And in that aloneness, see, here's where I know that she wasn't isolated. Here's how I know that she wasn't isolated. That she was alone, but she wasn't isolated. Here's how I know. Because, see, people preach that God was taking care of the man of God, but what they forget is that God sent the man of God to take care of the woman as well. Come on. Hey! Hey! What can I do for you, sir? Well, you may not recognize me, but I'm Elijah the prophet. What? Yeah. I couldn't help but notice that little substance of something you had on the table there. I'm hungry. Go read your Bible. He looks at her and sounds like a cruel thing to say. Make me a small piece of bread. Bless the man of God. She said, you don't understand. All I have left is that little spot. And I've already told my son, that I was going to make it for him. If we was going to lay down today, if we were going to die, today was the day that we both died in our aloneness. So please understand, sir, as much as I'd love to do it, I can't do it because it's for me and my son and it's all we got left. 
Not only are the steps of a good man unto the Lord, and we don't understand sometimes the steps that he orders our steps to take, sometimes we can't understand what he tells us to say. Sometimes we can't understand what he tells us to hear. He looks at her, sounding brass, cold, and callous, and says something that Larry Ragler's unauthorized translation, but this is the way he said it to her. I hear you, but I'm not here to watch you eat a cake. Make me a cake from what you got left. You need to make a decision. Are you going to take care of your self and yours that are around you, or are you going to be big picture and take care of the kingdom? Huh? While you're protecting what God has given you and you should, don't fall into the trap that says as long as I'm in a pandemic, I can't think about nobody else but myself. When it's over with, you need to be able to look back and know that you are kingdom-minded in you better make sure that missions doesn't get set to the side. You better make sure that tithe and offering does. Listen, tithe and offering has never been for the building. Tithe and offering has never been for the preacher. Tithe and offering is an act of obedience that's always been placed in your life for you. For you. He says, you need to be big picture, sister. Let's just see what's going to happen. But all I know is what God told me to do, and I'm ready to eat that little cake. You know what she did? She went and made him a cake. And he sat there, and they had to sit there and watch him eat that little cake and know they ain't got nothing. Then he said, that was good. In some people's homes, he'd probably went, thank you. She's looking at him like, I'm sure glad you enjoyed it. Oh, by the way, before I go, those, those, I want you to go get those pots and bring them to me. There's nothing in them. Bring them to me. Here's the miracle that you miss. Here's the miracle that you miss in this story. Because we know the story. Because we know the story is that there's more, as much as they would pour water into it, it would be turned into, into the oil. It would be turned. They never ran out of meal. They never ran out of oil. But here's my question. Where did they get the water? They were in the midst of a drought. God supernaturally provided everything that they needed, not just for the miracle, but for the manifestation. And the Bible goes on to say he stayed in the house and they ate three meals a day for days before he ever left. And when he left, every vat, everything that she had in her cabinet was running over and never, ever was not to the top. In the midst of a drought, in the midst of a pandemic, if you've lost your job, you ain't lost your relationship. Come on, somebody. My God, your company may shut down, but the kingdom has not shut down. Greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. I'm telling you, if you lose something, God's got something better for you if you stay connected. He ain't through. Woo, I gotta hurry, gotta hurry, gotta hurry. How many will say, preach on? This is your church anyway. You know you don't get out here before 12 anyway, so you're good, right? 
Not long after that, the boy dies. I mean, can you imagine? She makes the man of God a meal. She is blessed beyond her wildest dreams. Dreaming now, me and my son go live. I'm going to watch my son grow up. I'm going to see him get married. I'm going to hold my grandbabies. She's got all kinds of dreams because God has sent a man into her life and he has changed everything. And he gets sick and he dies. The boy. And Elijah's getting ready to leave. He goes, oh, okay, I see why I'm still here. He picks him up alone. Everybody say alone. He picks him up, the Bible says. He walks to an upper room in this little house. Go read your Bible. This is what it says. He walks in that room alone. The only one that's living, holding a dead boy in his hands. He lays him across the bed of where he had been sleeping. And he shuts the door and he stands before a dead boy alone. Are y'all hearing me? But he was not isolated. In the natural, it looked like him and the dead body was the only one in that room. But they were not the only ones in that room. Huh? The Bible said he'd done something crazy. He stretched himself across the body of that boy three times alone. No fanfare. No Facebook Live. No TBN. Nobody sharing it on Instagram. No social media. Y'all pray for me. I got to pray for this dead boy. Nobody. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Nobody but a man of God and Jesus and the anointing and the Holy Ghost and a dead boy. Oh, and he laid himself over that dead boy and he he said, you going to get up, boy, because God ain't through with you. And the craziest thing happened. The boy's ghost is sneezing. He sneezes seven times, praise God, and he stands up. And Elijah says, here, put a mask on, boy, you're sick. No, he doesn't. No, he did. He says, get up. I'm just trying to be funny. I'm not belittling. Can you imagine? Alone, he walked in the room, the only one alive by himself. But then he opened the door. He could hear the, oh, he could hear the cries of his mama. Oh, God, give me my boy back. And they went, when they went up the steps, there was only one voice. But when the door opened, she heard two voices. Mama, mama. God can do a miracle when you're alone with him. But he can't work with you if you've exed him out. So he gets up. Hurry. Just raised a boy from the dead. God's got me. Walks up to the king. Hey, how? Let me tell you something, boy. 
It, it ain't, it ain't, it's going to be raining pretty soon, but it ain't raining yet. All you prophets of Baal, you bow to Jehovah God. You don't even know who my God is. In fact, I challenge you all to a duel right now. Meet me on top of Mount Carmel. He walks right out of that dead boy's room. He walks right up to a mountain called Mount Carmel. He said, build two altars. Build them right now. I'm about to show you who God is. Build two altars. You prophets of Baal, you go first. You put your animal on the altar and you you cry out to your God. You cry out. And the Bible said those, those prophets of Baal started dancing. They started chanting. My God, they started acting a fool. They start cutting themselves with stones, pouring their blood all over, crying out to the devil, and nothing happened. In fact, Elijah's so cocky now, he starts mocking him. He goes, maybe your God's hard of hearing. This is in your Bible. He does say, maybe he's asleep. Oh, one translation said, maybe he's on the pot poo-pooing. I promise you one translation says that. He says, maybe maybe he don't want to be interrupted yet. He's reading the paper. Be a little bit louder. Nothing happened. Elijah said, let me tell you something. I may be standing on this mountain alone, but I am not alone. He said, in fact, here's what I want you to do in the middle of a drought. I know you ain't got but a little bit of drinking water. I want you to go get four pots of water, and I want you to pour it on top of my altar. Do it again. Go get four more. Do it again. Three different times, he gets four pots of water that's as precious as gold in the middle of a drought. and says, pour it on a soak my altar full of water. You know why he did it? He did it because he didn't want nobody accusing him of taking a little match going over there and just lighting it and jumping back home. You, you can't go over and quickly light something, especially in that day when you didn't have matches, praise God, when something was soaking wet. But he, he stands back in a ditch all the way around it. And here's what happens. When you are not isolated, but when you are alone, you don't doubt God for anything. I'm telling you, you can look at you can look at a dying baby and stretch your body over it. You can look at a cancer and tell it to go. I'm telling you, something changes when you've been alone with God. He says, here we go. Here's the challenge. You got your altar. I got my God, my altar. You call into your God and you ask your God to light your, your fire on your altar. And I'll call into my God and let the God who answers by fire, let the God be God. And when they said that, the heavens opened up and a bolt of lightning and fire came out of the clouds. Boom! Hit the altar. The Bible said the altar lit up like fire. And it was so hot, they watched the water. The It's in your Bible. Starts boiling all the way around. And all the water that was even in the ditch evaporates before their eyes. That's what happens when you're alone with God and not isolated from God. That's when you're reading the word instead of social media. That's when you're that's when you're listening to him instead of the talking heads of this world. The Bible said all the people, even the people of Baal, began to cry out, The God of Elijah is God. This is what the Bible says. He says, Elijah says, Gather up all the prophets of Baal. Kill them all. This is the end of Baal worship. And if it had been today, it had been like this.
but I wish that was the end of the story. But that's not the end of the story. I want to show you the difference between being alone with God, listening to his voice, and being full of yourself and starting to read your own press clippings and your own praise and everybody telling you how awesome a man of God you are. I've seen a many a man of God fall to the praise of the people. He walked off. I'm closing. Watch this. As he walked off from the greatest victory that Israel had ever seen, the Bible says this, 1 Kings 18, 36. And he came to pass. No, that's not what I want to read. I want to skip down to 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19, verse 1. 1 Kings 19, verse 1 says this. When all this happened, somebody ran and told Ahab and Jezebel what Elijah had just done. What's this? Verse 1. Also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel, this is right after Mount Carmel. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods, little g, do to me and more also if, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them that you slayed tomorrow about this time. Now listen. And when he saw that, somebody say saw that, he arose and ran for his life. He went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his assistant and servant there went further by himself. He himself, by, by himself, went a day's journey into the wilderness and came down and sat up under a broom tree. And this is what he prayed. He prayed that he might die and said, Lord, it is enough. Take my life, for I am no better, no better than my father's. What happened? What happened? I don't know the steps and how it quickly happened, but something happened at the moment of Mount Carmel. Something came into the greatest prophet that's ever existed, and he began to think that he was something that he was not. All the people praised him. All the people turned and glorified him. In fact, he even says this to God, I alone am the only one left that serves you who has never bowed a knee to Baal. And God had to rebuke him and say, shut up. I got 700 prophets down there right now that's never bowed a knee to Baal. Did I get that right, Delane, 700? What? 1,000, 1,000. I knew my Bible expert would know. A 1,000 hadn't bowed a knee to Baal. But he didn't know it at that moment. You know why? Because mentally, he moved from being alone in God to being isolated by himself. At some point, he told, he, he, he told his own servant, I don't even need you. Go away. Here's my closing thing. It says, I want to say this to you. Be careful. This is what God gave me last night. Be careful 
not to isolate after a victory. If there's ever been a time you need to stay humble in the midst of people, it's after a big victory. Because if you isolate after a big win, then all you'll do is spend all your time reading all the great things that people are saying about you. And at some point, you'll go from being alone to being isolated. Here's something that's really crazy. Here's what isolation, here's the point where he moved from aloneness to isolation. We see the point. We know the point it happened. We don't know how he got there, but we know the exact moment that it is proven to us that it happened. And here it is. The Bible says, you can go back and read it. I'm closing. It says, and when Jezebel heard what he had done, remember what she did? She sent a messenger. She didn't even go. You with me? She sent a messenger and you know what he, what he said? He, goes, he shows up and finds him, and he says what she said. Tomorrow you're going to suffer the same fate that you did to all the prophets of Baal. Watch what the Bible says. Go back and read. It says, and he said these things to, her, to him, and when he saw that, you didn't get what I just said. Not when he heard that. When he saw that. It says, and he said, this is what Jezebel said was going to happen to you. Come. And when he saw that, he ran for his life. In his mind, the words that he heard became an image that he saw. That's where we're at right now in this nation. We are seeing things that are real and are there. But we're also seeing things that are not real and are not there. Because we've been told they're there. He gets up. God says, go get in that cave. Get alone with me again. Get out from under this tree and this. Get in that cave and get alone with me. So he gets up from the, from the tree and he walks into a cave alone. This is powerful. God, what I feel like God is trying to say to us, God comes down in that cave with his prophet and he says these words to his prophet, Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing, man? He says, I'm very zealous for the Lord. That's why God of hosts, the children of Israel, I've now forsaken your covenant. They've, I've torn down, you know, altars. They've torn down your altars. They've killed your prophets. I alone am left. And they seek to take my life. That's what I'm doing here, God. God says again, Elijah, what are you doing here, man? Get up, son. Get up. Walk out to the edge of the cave. Out to the edge of the cave. God begins to move. Many things begin to manifest in the natural. Earthquakes, wind, fire. And God would say, 
No, Lord, I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear anything. Yeah, okay, that's right. Because I'm not going to speak to you through a whirlwind. I'm not going to speak to you through an earthquake. I'm not going to speak to you through a fire. When they all settled down, when all the elements around him, when he finally checked out and stopped letting them be the loudest voice, he found out that in the fire and in the wind and in the earthquake, God was speaking. He was speaking in a still small voice. But the man of God could not hear God speaking because he was overwhelmed by the sounds of what the world was trying to show us that we need to hear. Be careful not to live your life by the words. Take their advice because they're experts. Take their advice. Take their advice. I'm telling you, take their advice. But be careful not to live your life based on the words of people who don't even believe in God. Huh? Because if you're not careful, you will hear it, and then you will see it. And you will move from being alone with God into isolating yourself from God you will run for your life. Can you give the Lord a praise right now? Come on. Hallelujah. I'm going to open these altars for a minute. At Solid Rock Church, if we're going to have church, we might as well open the altars. So if you if you want prayer, if you need to give your life to Jesus, maybe rededicate your life, we're going to make sure you spread out when you come up here, respect people's space. And I want to pray for you. Whatever it is that you need from God, if you just need your pastor to pray for you, I want to ask you from that wall to that wall, let's let's come up in the altar right now if you need anything. I'm going to wait for a minute if anybody wants to come. I'm not going to touch you. I'm just going to pray over you. Praise God. Come on, these altars are open. I'm so glad all the rest of yours are good. Anybody else? Anybody else? Just spread out when you come up here. I know what time it is. Come on, some of y'all just, sometimes you just need to be refreshed in the altar. If you need to spread out down the aisle, you can. Make sure, you, make sure you get in a place where you're comfortable. I don't want you to feel like somebody is invading your space. I want you to be comfortable. Comfortable. If you want to wear your mask, you can up here. It's, it's totally fine. Church, I want you to stretch your hands towards these men and women up here. Because when somebody gets up and walks in front of other people and comes to an altar, that's not an easy thing to do. That means there's something seriously going on. There is, there is some serious needs or there's, there's just something that they need from God. Can you stretch your hands this way towards them? Father, we just thank you. First of all, anyone that is up here that needs to give their life to Jesus, come back to God in, a, in your relationship. Everybody in this church is going to help you. I want everybody up here in the altar and everybody in the church to help them pray because I feel like there's several up here that's going to pray this prayer. Pray it with me. Jesus, forgive me of my sins coming in my heart from this day forward. I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. God, you know my life. You know what I've done. You know where I've been. But I surrender everything to you. You are my God. You are the only God, and I am your child, and I believe that I am forgiven, and I am restored. 
in Jesus' name. Now, Father, right now, I pray for everybody that's up here, every man, every woman, no matter what the need is, God, whether they need to be rededicating their relationship with God, if they need a miracle in their body, if they need depression to be rebuked, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Suicidal thoughts have got to go in the name of Jesus. Lord, this, this aloneness has created isolation. We break that isolation now. God, let the joy of the Lord, which is their strength, spring up like a well within them, God. Spring up like a well, God. Let out their belly flow rivers of living water. Let there be a new joy. God, we cry out to you, creating us a clean heart, oh God. Renew a right spirit within us, God. Renew a right spirit within us. Let us be a light in the midst of darkness. Let us be salt that flavors the world in which we live. God, I pray for each and every one that is up here. God, you know the need. Now, I agree my faith with them that it is done. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Come on, give the Lord a praise. Now, those that are up here, here's the thing. The altar is the place of confession. The altar is the place where, where flesh is burned in the fire. But the most difficult part is really not the walk to the altar. The most difficult part is the walk back from the altar. When you go back to your pew, you go back to your car, you go back to your home, you go back to your life, and some of the problems that you're dealing with that you ask for prayer for are still there. But here's the difference. You know what? When we go home today, when we go to the restaurant today, or we go home to eat, or wherever we go for this day for the pandemic is still there. People are still wearing masks. There's still a mandate. It's still there. That world is not going to change. But what can change in this world that's not going to change overnight is you. You can change. I'm not calling you, I'm not telling you to be rebellious. I'm not calling for an uprising. I'm just saying, be who God has called you to be. Be salt and be light. Don't get into fights. Don't get into debates. It's not worth it. Don't join in all that mess. Be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Because there are people in this world right now, many of them who have not been in church in years and some of them have never been in church are looking for some answer. We have the answer. Be the answer. Amen. Bless y'all. Y'all have a great day. I love you.